ready. With my co-host, Sal, we would like to take the time to thank our guest speaker, Two Tree, for joining us today on our first financial literacy topic, how to build wealth. So a little bit of background about Two Tree, and I don't know if you want to share a little bit of, um, tell us a little bit about yourself and um, what got you from... From where you were to where you are now. Yeah, I think uh, I'd probably be the best person to talk about it, right? Right. Uh, my name is Tutri. I moved up from Alabama when my when I was five. My parents originally was in the South. We came up when I was five years old. I uh, grew up in Lawrence, you know, right down the street from where we are today. Um, and it was a good time for the most part, right? For those that grew up in Lawrence, you're going to understand that you, you make the best of what you have, right? And from there, I mean, uh, today... Husband, father of five, you know, I mean, our oldest is 23. We have an 18-year-old that's studying in Japan right now, uh, a 16-year-old, a 10 and an 8, you know what I mean? So uh, life gets very busy, very fast, right? And more importantly, you don't really have the guideline or the, or the book to really guide you on what you have to do. So a lot of times you have to kind of figure it out. But more importantly, through my, through my journey, um, after high school, I went to Clark University in Worcester, stayed in the state. Graduated with business management, and after that, uh, served in the United States Air Force, um, mainly because after 9-11, a lot of things kind of uh, changed, and for me, like, you know, I felt like there was a need, and after I separated from the military, went back to school for psychology, I felt like, um, I felt like I needed to understand how some of my brothers and sisters came back, you know what I mean, because it was very hard to communicate on some level, and that's what really opened my eyes to communication and to reaching out and and trying to understand people, but more importantly, try to understand myself. Um, and after that, I mean, now I'm a financial planner, financial professional in the area. I've always worked in operations throughout my career, and I'm here to just share my story. That's awesome. That too, I, I think this is going to be very beneficial for our listeners because I think everybody has to have some type of financial literacy. Um, you know, we're just regular people. We're not business tycoons or you know, anything special. But I think if we have that, at least the basic understanding of the financial and and how to, you know, build some wealth for not only us, our family, but for future generations. Right. I always like this quote, you know, building wealth is like building a house. You should start with a solid financial foundation and build it for from the grounds up. Um, and I, I think you actually said this, and I'm bringing it back here. Uh, if we don't create our own masterpiece of life, who else will? You know, and it's just well said. Who else would take that pen and reinvent themselves and write write out a story of how you want to 
build and grow and pass it on. And you know what I mean? I think that's a great point, uh, important point because even for this, you know, your whole theme, what's your story? Everyone has a story. Mm-hmm. And the problem is that a lot of people don't feel like their experiences and what they've overcome is worth telling or they don't get to grow from it because they're trying to avoid what they've been through. And a lot of who you become, the details are in that mess. You know, I've, I grew up with this mindset where the, the most peace that I found was in the middle of the chaos. Because it's in that moment when you discover who you really are. When you're rock bottom, there's nowhere else to go but up, mm-hmm. right? And you have two options in that moment. It's either you give up or you fight. Right. So in the, in, the, in the middle of the chaos, you find your peace. And if you can find your peace, that's where you accept and appreciate what you have and what you've been through. But now what do you do with those pieces moving forward? Right. It's all about the journey, <clears throat> correct? Absolutely. Yeah. Success is not a destination. Yeah, it really absolutely. is the process of the journey. But people look at failures as a setback. And what they don't realize is that you can't have a comeback without that setback, right? right. Um, but to go back to your point, Sal, when you first started out was financial literacy should be in everybody's language. If you really think about it, I will share the Rockefeller story, but financial education or financial knowledge has been around for centuries. And it's a, it's a wonder how not more than 10%. It's a wonder why there's so little knowledge or experience of how generational wealth is truly being built. Like, we were raised with the whole mindset of we're stuck in a generational curse, we're, st- we're stuck in debt, you know, everybody's um, kind of just repeating the cycles, but the information has been around for centuries. Right. And, and it's, I, a, it's a, that mindset is what right. I think you're going with that, is that maybe a poor man's mindset, you know, and I think generations ago, they, you know, they worked at nine to five, come home and just, you know, and there's nothing wrong with that, but right. there's other ways to... Mm-hmm to accumulate wealth and grow and build. I think right now is the perfect time. To be really honest, for all the listeners out there, I envy those that are young. All right, For those that are in your 20s, I wish I know back then what I knew now. And I say that because if you look at the pandemic, a lot of industries, a lot of companies, a lot of jobs have been shaken up, flipped upside down, and Mm. discarded. Right? Even if you look at the Great Resignation, all of that. People are leaving their jobs quietly because they realize that sometimes having that job isn't that satisfying, that, that purpose-filling kind of ideal. And I tell people, you have to wake up and live every day with intention, okay? Because we can no longer just wake up, brush our teeth, eat breakfast. You can switch that, if, you know, depending on you. But people go to work, come home, eat dinner, brush their teeth, go to bed, wake up, and they repeat that cycle. But if you filled your days with intention, knowing exactly what you need to do, why you need to do it, then the how doesn't really matter. It's going to get done. Right. But a lot of people don't have that, that longer vision or that bigger vision. The guidelines, you know. And I think it's also being intentional and setting the goals. The last podcast or the last topics that we talked about, we talked about self-discipline. And I think that has a lot to do with that, too. You know, if you discipline yourself to, to where you want to go, things are going to align for you if you have a plan. People often fail to plan, and procrastination then comes into place, and that's the biggest enemy of planning. Um, another quote that you mentioned, I always like to pick <laughs> on your quotes, you know, we want to leave, we, 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 you know, life, life's greatest teachers are the failures and the pains that we have learned to overcome. You know, sometimes the other side might not be as easy as we we envision it to be, but just taking that leap of faith and taking that step 
could open up a door for you to make a legacy or to leave a legacy behind for your family, to build and to grow and to be uncomfortable, but yet growing and understanding who you are and understanding who you're called to be in this world that is filled with so much noise. Um, and you said it very well, you know, you said it very well. Life's greatest teacher are the failures that we, we embark in every day, but we have choices when we wake up to make a difference. You know, now now that I'm sitting here, I feel like she has a transcript of all the text messages I've sent her. <laughs> I'm like, where's her phone? <laughs> Where is she pulling all of this up? Um, and, I, and I will go off of this one story that I do share. Um, right now, I currently teach some classes. I, I hold some workshops at the Low Financial Center. And I share this story mainly because, to me, it resonates and it hits, it hits home. Main, if you really think about it, I have, I have this personal mountain of mine that I climb every single day, right? And I know that this journey, going up that mountain, I'm never going to reach the top because as soon as you succeed one, uh, one challenge, another challenge opens up because you always want to improve and become better. But on that journey, and I want people to reflect, you know what I mean, in your personal lives, what mountain it is that you have in your life, okay? The mountain may call us at any given time. And I know that. I know that. I know that this journey up this mountain is, is steep and is great because every time you accomplish that next step, that next peak, you feel accomplished. But the mountain may call you at any given time. But what we fail to see in our society is that every time the mountain calls somebody, our children have to start at the bottom of that mountain again. And that's what really hurts generational wealth. Okay? Because if we know how to plan better, if we just look and plan better, our children should start where we stopped on that mountain because they can reach greater heights, you know? And, and I think that's where we can do better as a community, we can do better as a society, and that's where financial planning really comes into play because a lot of it, if you understand how money moves, all right, money is known as a currency, right. and currents are meant to flow because as soon as water stagnates, it, it becomes, it smells, right? You get bacteria. But if you can keep money flowing then now you have that currency working for you. Your money is working for you because some of the topics that we're going to talk about, you, you can't possibly have enough hours in the day to make the money you need based on your energy, your effort, and your dedication alone. You have to make that money work for you, right? right? And we'll touch on the Rockefellers when we talk about legacies and, and mm-hmm. creating that estate planning. Right. So some of the key points that we have to talk about, like you said, money needs to flow. Time is also a you know, commodity that you know, one cannot afford to to lose. So when we're talking about money, we're also looking at time because time is of its essence. Um, Making money, saving money, investing money, protecting money. I know, right? We have to protect money. Yes, we do. Uh, Compounding interest. And I know some of these terms might sound a little bit off or some people might just go on Google and start to research some of these terms, but this are all money talk. But it's not just about money, it's about wealth. And wealth does not necessarily mean money. It also means your well-being spiritually, mentally. You know, as money is flowing, as things are flowing, as life is going on, you also have to think, okay, what's my purpose and how can I use what I've earned to yield a greater return for myself, for the people around me? And also leave something behind when I am gone. So that way it can keep compounding over time. Legacy building, wealth transfer. Those are all transfers of not just money, but wealth. And when I'm talking about wealth, I'm talking about health 
and I'm talking about lifestyle. I'm talking about, you know, the tools and the, the downloads that you're getting, even from, from two, from Sal, from myself, we're downloading information to you. And that's a form of wealth because knowledge is a key to expansion. So those are some of the key t- points we're going to be targeting as we're speaking. So sit, stay tuned. We got commercial break? Stay tuned for more. No, no commercial break. We are going on. So Tui is going to tell us a little bit about ways on how we can keep money flowing. Okay. And and I think I think the misconception or the misunderstanding or the lack of education falls in the difference between being rich and being wealthy. Right. Okay. Because someone who is rich will have um, the things that they don't need because they're going to buy with the money that they don't have so that they can impress people that they don't like. So they, they, they have this right. collection, right? Because yes. rich rich and wealth are two extremely different things, mm-hmm. all right? And unfortunately, in today's society, what we fall into is we fall into a huge marketing campaign from everybody. Right. If you don't have this car, if you don't have these shoes, if you're not wearing this belt, then you don't have the status in society. And that's where, if you look at communities, we're in this false misconception of what rich and status really means, mm-hmm. right? Because the wealthy... Wealthy means that the money will last for many generations. Rich will last you for a couple of years at best. And that's why we see professional athletes, movie actors, we see singers, artists. After they stop their career, they end up getting financially broke, right? I mean, like, because the opposite of rich is broke, right? (laughs) (laughs) And and, and that's the problem that too many of our younger generation are chasing to be rich. And not many people are educating on how to become wealthy because the Rockefellers, I keep mentioning, and I know like this is a teaser, I, like, I should probably get something from them, right? But wealth doesn't run out. And that's what people need to understand is that we have the opportunity. When we talk about the land of opportunity in America, people didn't leave their countries, come here, sacrifice everything that they have left behind to work at a McDonald's, to work at a Walmart, to work at a job, right? Because right? in America, if you look at the tax laws, they're probably yay high and I would probably say a small fraction of it really benefits W-2 workers. The majority of that, if you understand how it works, they benefit business owners. Right. Basically, by us doing that, we're making other people wealthy. We're not taking To hold a job. Absolutely. If you look at some of the companies out there, some of their CEOs or founders had no college degree. But in order to work for them, you needed a college degree. Yeah. Right? So you look at how that... That all works out. I'm not saying education is not important. I graduated out of Clark University. I graduated out of UMass Lowell, you know, and I and I love the fact that I'm still learning today. I don't have a degree in finance, but I do have the license that the state offered me. Right. But at the end of the day, it's up to us what they call what they call traditional education will create a lifestyle for you. It'll pay the bill. It'll buy you food. Right. It might allow you a place to live, whether you rent or own. But self-education, like, there is no stopping when it comes to learning, right. right? The wise man will never be the one that learned everything. They're constantly learning. And for us, we have to open that up because sometimes the information that we know may not be 100% accurate, right. and especially if it's being passed down from, from parent to child, right? Uh, so the mindset game is super important because they will only understand money on how we portray money or project it upon them. Right. I have this one employee... Great worker, um, very smart, you know what I mean? And he was always one of the best, eager to say, hey, if you need help too, let me, let me do it for you. And I said, why aren't you sitting on this side? Because you can easily take my job and do what I'm doing right now. Right? Right. Yeah. And all you needed was a degree to do that. And he goes, well, you know, my parents were always fighting about money, so 
So I felt like if I wanted to go to school and I told them that, it would create that financial burden for them. And as a parent of five, I would never want to... I would never want my child to look at me and say, you know what, Dad, it's okay. I don't, I don't want to go to college because I know right now you're financially stressed. Mm. Like as a parent, like the yeah. one thing that we're supposed to do is make sure we provide, provide so that they can have the future that they want, not relive the future that we were trying to get away from, right? That yeah. past that we were trying to get away from. This kind of reminds me <clears throat> of the rich dad, poor dad, the story of yeah. the rich dad, poor yeah. dad. You know, yeah. you know, we have a choice. We're not saying leave your job and no, no, resign. No, no. You know, you have to have a purpose and let your purpose fill the plan that you have. You, you know, as you're getting income, you have to think, okay, what my wants versus my needs. What am I? What am I going to? How am I going to take the little that I? that I have, the little oil that I have to maximize it, to leverage it and to, to yield a greater return. So that's what we're getting at. You know, start, start re- rewiring your mindset yes. to reinvest, not the little that you have reinvested into something that will yield a greater return. And that's mm. how a lot of people that are successful do it. And a lot of people who are successful that lost the money, and then you see them regaining the money so quick or regaining the wealth so quick, because it's not money, it's wealth, so quick because they have the mindset to have the mindset of abundance, not mm. limitation. And right. they know how to take the little they have and maximize it to yield a greater return. I heard it said once that if you took all the wealth from the wealthy yes. and spread it out to everyone, evenly. the wealth, evenly, the wealthy will be wealthy again. Yep, absolutely. And that's all in the habits that we have. Mm-hmm. And those habits are dictated by our culture and our society, right? Whatever marketing, companies don't mind spending millions of dollars on marketing because they know that they'll get billions of dollars in return. So it's, for them, it's like a no-brainer. Um, to touch back on the great resignation and, and leaving jobs, and like right now, after the pandemic, you've seen a lot of people leave their jobs. Work is now optional in today's society, yeah. right. you know? Yeah. But at the same time, to go back again to the tax laws and how it benefits um, business owners, Amazon, for example, and this is like, you know, you can look this up, but Amazon in 2017, 18, and 19, they are a multi-billion dollar company. I believe in 2021, they hit a trillion dollars for one day and then their stock dropped back down, but they're pretty up there, right? But in those three years, 17, 18, and 19, they paid absolutely zero dollars in taxes and people are outraged when, they, when that news came out, right? But the one thing that most people don't understand is that you have that same benefit. You have that same opportunity that Amazon does. Okay, because I'll, I'll just share this example. Tell us more, too. <laughs> no, no, no. I, when, it comes, when it comes to talking about money, they said, oh, you have an hour. I'm like, I don't know if that's going to be enough. Right. <laughs> right. There's so much. It's a financial literacy. There's more to come. Like, you have to understand the flow of money, all right? So what Amazon did was, um, in those years, let's say, for example, I own a ba- Like, I love donuts. I love donuts. For anyone that knows me, I love donuts, right? If I owned a bakery and I made $100,000 that year, I would be expected to pay 30% in taxes, right? Around $30,000. But instead of paying $30,000 just straight up to the the government, the IRS, for taxes, what I'm going to do is I'm going to get another oven. I'm going to get another oven, and that's probably going to take, you know what I mean, maybe $20,000. I'm going to hire another employee, right? I'm going to raise minimum wage. I'm going to expand my donut shop. I'm going to buy some more land some more real estate. I'm going to open a second or a third location because what I'm looking to do is instead of paying taxes, I'm going to increase my business expense and write it off. Right. Right. So I'm going to pay the taxes and they're going to pay me back the reimbursements, if you will, for my business expense. And that's how Amazon was able to do it. Think about it. Those years, they were the first to raise minimum wage to $15 an hour. They started Amazon two-day delivery. 
which means now we see all these little blue cars and vans yeah. around the streets creating traffic. Just got a delivery today. <laughs> there you go, right? <laughs> There's an Amazon addiction, right? Yeah. People right. are out there like hope, hoping the delivery comes before their spouse comes home, right? Yeah. Um, but because of that, they were able to offset their offset their, those taxes. Now, now they're paying some taxes. In 2020, they paid 1.8 million. So what we see is that they like they've opened warehouses all across the globe. Like they've saturated as much of the market as they can. So now they're probably running out of ways to offset taxes, right? But that's a good problem to have. Yeah. That's right. a good problem to have, right? And a lot of people that Honestly, if you have your own business, don't try to avoid the taxes, okay? Because <laughs> you can use that to expand your business. But more importantly, um, I, think, I think everyone should pay taxes. Like, it's only fair. If you understand how taxes work or Social Security, you can make $4,000 a month from Social Security and retirement. And if you ask me, if I'm not working anymore, I'm at an old age and I just want to retire, getting three, $4,000 a month is pretty generous. Not too bad, yeah. And they take the 35 highest years of your working career and they calculate the taxes that you paid into it and determine what you'll get at Social Security. Right? It's, it's all about learning the tax code, right? And, so important. Um, and a lot of people, you know, a lot of those things are hidden unless you really try to search and find the answers. Um, but if you have a business or you ha- you're planning mm-hmm. on starting a business, there are ways to learn about financial literacy if you really apply yourself. Yes. The best investment. It's not cryptocurrency. It's not a stock. It's not a company that you're looking to buy. The best investment that you can have out there is on yourself. Absolutely. Yeah, it's on yourself. Yeah. If you're able to learn more, you're able to do more. Right. Okay? So we're going to touch on one of the points, making money. A lot of people out there, and this may not be you. This may be someone you know. But if one job is not enough, what do they do? Get another job. They're Get naturally going to yeah. get a second job. Right. If two jobs is not enough, what are they going to do? Right? And like... To be really honest, how many hours in your day can you truly give an employer? Because at the end of the week, if you've already worked 40, 50, 60 hours last week, your paycheck, you're waiting for tomorrow to clear. Right. You're waiting for your bank to clear. Yeah. Yeah. But guess who already got their money? Uncle Sam. Uncle Sam, the taxes. <laughs> Before you get to, you've already given up that 50 hours, 40 hours, whatever it is that you worked last week, all right, for those at home. You've already given that up. You can't take it back. But before your bank account clears the check tomorrow, the taxes have already been taken out. And the problem is, even after the money clears tomorrow, how much do you have left? I'll ask 8 out of 10, we'll say I have nothing left. Because from Monday to Friday, you had to pay groceries, buy gas, you had to pay credit card bills. This is the first of the month coming up. Rent's due, mortgages due. So imagine this, if if you took a step back, and looked at yourself from a third-person view. You just gave up 40, 50 hours, and you have no money to show for it. So you got to work this week another 40, 50 hours so that next week you can pay more bills. Mm. If you're going to work that hard, most people, please write this down. If there's nothing (laughs) else that's important, if there was nothing else that I said that made sense, write this down. Because you have to pay yourself first. And I ask people all the time, how much do you get paid? How much do you pay yourself? They, they give me their salary. They give me their hourly pay. Mm-hmm. No, how much do you really pay yourself first? Because at the end of the week, at the end of the month, if you have too much month and not enough money, mm-hmm. you didn't pay yourself at all. Yeah. Right? right? If, you did, if you did $10 a day, by the end of the month, you'll have 300 mm-hmm. By the end of the year, you'll have 3600 Right? After 10 years, you'll have 36000 now, if you can make that money, so we just talked about making money. If you can save some of that money, 
by paying yourself first. Now you have wealth building up, right? And, and that's the problem is that we try, we're in a society where we work, we make the money, and then we spend, and then we try to save what's left. Right. right. Uh, what if we just change those two and three? What if we make the money, we save first, and then we spend what's left? Now we can have a conversation. Now you're building habits. Now you're, now you're changing your perspective on money. And the one thing that I will say is once the comma moves over, mm. it gets exciting. Now, do you recommend a certain uh, percentage F, or does it depend on? It depends on the situation, right? I'll say 70, 10, 10, and 10, right? Mm. And that's something that I've learned through Jim Rohn. I love, I love listening to everything <laughs> yeah. Jim Rohn has to say, mm. 70, 10, 10, and 10. But if you're struggling, if you're financially strapped, do 97, 1, and 1. One, one, and one. Just to start. It's the habit. It's not the amount. Because I guarantee you one thing. Someone can make $50,000 a year versus someone that makes $500,000 a year. The person that can save more of their money will have the wealth. The problem is people think if I get a new job, if I get a new career, if I get a better promotion, pay raise, bonus, I'll do better. I'll be able to save. The one thing that is true, the more money we give you, the more money you have in your hand, you're going to find something to spend it on. Mm -hmm. Right? So if you can build the habit or the, the discipline to save, you can, make, you can build that wealth, right? So it's making the money. We know that if one job's enough, you'll get a second. If two jobs not enough, you'll get a part-time third, right? Save the money. Pay yourself first. Do yourself that self-respect because you've already given up the 40, 50, 60 hours. Give yourself the respect that you got paid something for the time that you sacrificed, all right? Mm. And then we go into the investing your money. Right. We got to invest the money. Why? Because if you understand compounding interest, they call it the eighth wonder of the world. Because if you understand how the compounding interest can snowball for you, right. I always tell people my soft landing spot is after three hundred thousand. Because after three hundred thousand, that compounding effect grows exponentially, really fast, really fast. For me personally, right? Just playing with numbers and stuff. Um, but you got to make your money work for you because Sal, Jumi, no matter how dedicated, no matter how great your skills are and how hardworking and dedicated you are, you only have 24 hours in a day. And to be really honest, even if we burned ourselves out, we're either going to get sick, get tired, we're, gonna, we're not going to be able to work. And the moment that we can no longer trade our time for money... We no longer have that money. They say time is our greatest commodity. Yeah. It really is because you can't get it back. We can get money back, yeah. but we can't get our time back. Right. right? I wish I, again, I wish I was 18, 20 years old with this information. <laughs> yeah. I'm dominating this. So. No, no. <laughs> no, this is good. You're the smarest good person in the room, so you can dominate. <laughs> if, you, if, you, if you notice the broke guy saying nothing over here, I'm just I'm taking notes. <laughs> Not at all. Jumi said it best. We all have our own wealth in our own different ways. And wealth, like I just, we just had an event, um, our Christmas party, and my, my theme was to create a new, right? And a new means, <coughs> excuse me, that water did not come down right. A new means your spiritual health, your mental health, emotional health, your financial health, and your physical health, right? So there's different factors. Um, so wealth is a, a, a very broad topic. Uh, and you can have all the money in the world, but if you're not a great person, then you're not going to have that great of a life. If your health isn't great, you have all the money in the world right. and you're sick, you're not going to have that, that lifestyle that you want either. Right. Mm -hmm. It's an holistic approach, right? Yeah. Everything Absolutely. Is, everything has to take some kind of holistic turn to it. And mm -hmm. when we're talking about wealth, you know, wealth is not just money. And a lot of people, when they hear wealth, they think of money. 
But there's so much more to wealth than just money. Um, your health, like, you know, to just said, your health is very important too. And if you want to reap the fruit of your hard labor, you're working, working two, three jobs maybe, and you want to reap the fruit of your labor. It's not just time that you need. You also need your help. Mm-hmm. And, and those are the key components to wealth is having the time and having the freedom and also having the, having the time, freedom, and also the knowledge to be able to maximize what you're, what you're handed to to yield a, a return for you in the future or now. You know, it's funny because one of the one of my wealths in my life is are the memories that Facebook pops up because I love seeing my little children and those memories pop up when they were like toddlers and and, and babies. Right. Uh, And I say that because so often for me, when my daughter was born, I didn't I didn't work for two years. I didn't do anything like that was my princess, my pride and joy. I stayed home and I spent every day with her for two years. And then when my son was born, I'm like two diapers. One's walking. <laughs> One's I'm going crying. To work. <laughs> I'm going. I gotta go make the money. That's right. Priceless moments. They they are. They are. And I say this and I can I can and, and I'm I'm selfish in this, okay? And I and I will share this. Because those are the memories that you can't get back. You can't remake it. Now if you ask your kids to give you a hug, they're too busy, they're too cool. Yeah. Right? But for a lot of people, like when you're so busy chasing the money, you lose out on the real value of life. Right. You lose out on the baseball games. You lose out on the birthdays, and sometimes that regret can really weigh you down. And you I, know? yeah, and I, I, I've heard that at the end of someone's life, no one ever regrets working, not working enough. Absolutely, it's the opposite. <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah, it's because like, of the memories lost. Yeah. Right, it's like they they worked to live. I think that's how the saying goes: "So live to work, live work to, to work. live." Yeah. you know. So you have to seize those moments and really know what your purpose is, and and. If this job, is it fulfilling a purpose for me to get out of this and fire my boss? No. Yeah. <laughs> so I hope your boss is <laughs> I hope they're not listening. She is a wrong boss. <laughs> but it's all about purpose, purpose-driven life, and knowing how to, like Tu just said, knowing how to, how to make your money work for you. So you're not, at the end of the day, you're not working for that money. Even if you are working, you can still enjoy life. Doing what you love and also compounding, yielding, pouring, and and um, also growing. Yeah. Um, I mean, you said something that, that triggered a thought, and I totally lost it. I'm over here trying to think about it. <laughs> right? Um, but I'll go back. It'll, it'll come back to me because I love talking about money. All right? And the one thing is don't fall in love with money in the sense of greed. All right? Mm-hmm. But do love money. And I, and, I, and I say this because if you truly love money, I ask people all the time when I have a live event, right? I'm like, how many people in here love money? And a lot of people will raise their hands. Some who are honest because some will feel like <laughs> they don't want to be outcasted. They don't want to be judged, right? But I ask people who loves money because if anyone knows me, I do love my money, yeah. okay? I love my money as much as I love my children, okay? And when I, what I mean by this is if you love your children, I ask people, I ask them the same question, how many people love money and how many people love their children, Right. And the same group of hands that raise for the money will raise for the children. And I asked them, do you treat your money like your children? Because if you protected your money, your money will grow. If you feed your money, the money will grow. Your money will grow interest wise. Like it would grow. Right. Some people love to spend money. 
Some people like the greed of right. money. That's completely yeah. different. But if you love money, you're going to protect it. You're going to take care of it. You're going to feed it. You're going to nurture it right. just like your children would. You would never let your children go naked to school, right? So why would you let your bank account go naked, right? Why Good wouldn't point. you feed it? Yeah. It's like the, the Bible verse, um, 1 Timothy 6.10 says, For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, um, however, you know, some eager for money and they wind up, you know, for the fate and the prices, them, you know, they, they, they end up in grief because they are chasing money. But if you chase purpose, the money will come. Absolutely. You know, if you chase purpose, the money will come. It just sometimes it takes time. And some people, uh, we live in an instant gratification world. Yep. Some people, they want it now and they want it now. But there's a process. It's kind of like a, a like you, you have kids. You give your kid, nine-year-old, a car keys, and you expect <laughs> them to drive, but they're not ready because they're still in that training process to be able to be ready, mature, to be able to handle the the in L, in L, the, the funds or the money, the abundance, the blessing. Um, there was one thing that came up, uh, a quote that came up um, one time where it was, um, I just lost my train of thoughts. Too. See, it was passing around. There's a bug <laughs> passing around. <laughs> oh my. Let me help you out. Um, the greed of money. To me, the greed of money is definitely the root of evil. But money by itself is, there's no good evil. If you put a stack of money on the table, it's not going to do any good, any bad. It's how you use that money, money because Mother Teresa, for example, had money coming in and she was able to help many people, right? right? So it's how you use that money. But the reality is that there's an abundance of money out there, okay? There's an abundance of money. How do I know? Look at how many people lost cryptocurrencies in the last three years alone. Like, it had to go, like, it, like you had to have money, right. right? So if you can magnetically know how to attract that money, all right. And then save that money and then reinvest that money in something that is, you know what I mean? Not as risky as cryptocurrency. Um, and whatever people's belief is, that's, you know what I mean? I'm not, I'm not judging on that aspect, but there's an abundance of money. That's what I'm saying. Because if someone wants to go out there and make a million dollars, guess what they're going to do? They're going to make a million dollars. Right. Right. Um, but sometimes we don't invest in ourselves enough to magnetically attract that money. So we feel like there's a shortage of money. But if, Sal, today you went out there and made $5 million, that doesn't mean that I, I have $5 million less that I can make. That's absolutely not true. Okay? They'll just print more. <laughs> that's, the, that's, that's the today's solution, right? Yeah, right. print more money. Yeah, so it actually came back to me. It's like a lottery winner, you know, winning a, uh, yep. winning a lottery, and then they have the abundance of money and not knowing what to do with it, and then they squander it, and then they lose that in, in hell inheritance, you know. So knowing having money, money is a tool. It's not yes. evil, and it's it could be good if you use it appropriately to bless other people or to invest in something that would leave something behind for your family or also you can reap out of it too. But knowing how to use money would help you leverage um, a lot in, in life and you would win not only for yourself, but you will win for other people too and become a blessing to them. Yeah. To me, money means nothing more than units of options. Okay. The more money you have, the more options you have. Yeah. The problem in today's society is that we have a cup half full and we're over here trying to save everyone. So eventually everyone's going to die from thirst. So if you if, if, if we're going to stick with the theme of water and money, 
the more water you have, you want it to be overflowing because then now you can help so many more people. Right. It's the it's the hoarding of the money or the greed of that money. You know, what I mean, that's mm-hmm. selfish. Um, but if you can if you can get an overflowing cup, no one will run thirsty. Mm-hmm. Right. So you want to have as much money as possible, not for the greed of it, but because you know how to magnet magnetically attract it. The one thing I will share is like, let's say I love real estate investing. I love buying multifamilies. Right. When you talk about leveraging money, you can take credit cards. People like, you know, and this is a whole different topic itself. But people think credit cards are bad. Right. There are there are fans out there of certain beliefs where credit cards are bad. OK. Um, but credit cards are neither good or bad. If you know how to manage the credit. Like, imagine an 18-year-old and their parents says, don't get any credit cards. Now they're 30 trying to buy a house. They have absolutely no, no credit to their name to get that mortgage. Right. So money is nothing more than units of options. To me, credit score is nothing more than units of trust, okay? Because I teach a credit score class, too. And for me, my 18-year-old in college, I, I spoke to, you know, my wife. We're, we're, I'm telling her he needs to get, like, 10 credit cards. Our 23-year-old, that's what she did. She took the advice. She got as many credit cards as she was approved for. She got higher credit limits than me. She has an 800 credit score. She has, um, I think, around like, you know, $50,000 available limit. Um, But it's how responsible you use it. Because if you know how to use it right, they pay you to use a credit card. So you would suggest getting several credit cards as long as you use it? I have over 20 credit cards that are active. I have over 60 accounts that are active. And the reason why that's important is because one of the factors in your credit score is um, your credit age. Mm. Okay, one of it is credit age, how long you've had your credit cards. So the problem is when people get older, 30, 40, now they're opening their second or third credit card, their credit age gets averaged down, so that doesn't look too great. And the other factor that affects is that the more credit card you have, the higher credit limit you have available, right? So for me, I have over $200,000 available in credit limit alone, but I have less than 12% of credit card debt, right? right? So what that does is when a bank looks at that, they're like, oh, you have 20 different credit lines. You have over $200,000 available. I'm going to trust you with whatever you want. How much money do you need? Versus someone that has one credit card, $20,000, one credit card, you're probably at $5,000 credit limit, right? And Mm -hmm. you can have an 800 credit score, but they're going to trust a person that has 20-something credit cards, 200,000, you know what I mean? Because another one is uh, the credit usage, Right, that's a huge indicator of your credit score. If you know how to maintain and balance that, they're gonna want your business because that, that's what, essentially that's what they're fighting for. So when I go to the grocery stores, instead of paying cash, I'll use my credit card, get my four percent back, log onto my phone, transfer that money right into that credit card. Now I have no debt, but I got my four percent back. Mm. Right. But if you know how to do this, right, and I'm not saying that this is no advice by any means, okay? Nothing we talk about. This is conversation, right? But when I say money is fluid. If I have $200,000 available in my credit, I could take 100000 and put it on a down payment for a house, ask for a 0% interest for 20 months, 18 months, whatever it is, fix the house, paint something, add a little picture frame on the wall, flip it in the market for another fifty, sixty thousand dollars $60,000, pay off that debt, and I paid absolutely no interest, wow. right? Yeah. But those are the options that you have when you have the knowledge and experience and the education on... I'm not saying go out there and pull money out of your credit card, okay? Um, but... There are steps to how it works. We can show somebody how to use velocity banking method. You can Google that up out there, right? Um, And how you can burn a mortgage, a 30-year mortgage down into eight years using velocity banking method. But that's Mm -hmm. that's like second-level knowledge of finance because you have to be very disciplined in this process. But now you're leveraging credit cards to pay off your mortgage at 0%, right? Mm -hmm. And so... 
there's so many things that you can do when you understand how money works. And that, that all starts with perspective. It starts with mindset. It starts, if you have a fear of money, because money is the root of all evil, or that you think wealthy people are pigs, then you're going to try to deflect that money as much as possible to justify how you feel at the end of the day. I think it's a lot has to do with discipline too, you know, discipline and, you know, people are so afraid that, oh, if I have a little debt, I'm, I'm, I'm going to fail. You know, they think of debt as failure. But if you know how to work, manage debt, so there's a, a debt management tool that you can learn and acquire those skills and know how to use it to get you to your next level, you can definitely get to that level that you envision yourself being. But it's all about discipline and also just learning how to manage your wealth learning how to manage your debt, and learning how to scale. You have to manage yourself. Manage yourself. You have to manage yes. yourself First. because manage of yourself. temptation. 200,000 right. credit limit. <laughs> like, oh, boy, yeah. That's a lot money. of temptation. <laughs> right? you, don't, you don't want to go on a shopping spree. You want to invest in something that would yield something yeah. else. I think the most important thing is understanding what is considered an asset versus a liability. Because yes. wealthy people right. will put that money without hesitation into an asset that's right. going to put money into their pocket. Mm-hmm. But if you're not educated, you're going to buy a lot of liabilities thinking right. that it's going to, I don't know, get you approved on social media, <laughs> right? Because that's right. what we talk about when people buy things they don't need with money they don't have to impress people they don't even know or like, right? right? Yeah. Um, the one thing I will say, I forgot the train of thought, but I'm trying to like will it back <laughs> together, right? <laughs> but... Um, it, re- it really skipped my mind because there's so many topics right now that are right. jumping in. You're like, oh, yeah. my brain yeah. is telling me to bring this up. Talk that's, about this. That's a good one. <laughs> Liability versus assets. So yeah. I want you know the audience to, every time they go shopping or every time they, they are looking to buy something new or uh, something for themselves, it's okay to self-care. But always ask yourself, okay, is this going to be a, a, an asset or is this going to be a liability? And how can I turn this liability into an asset. For example, if you buy a new car and you're like, okay, I need this car because it's going to get me to point A, point B. It's going to keep me safe. How can I turn this liability, which is a car, because once a car hits the road, it depreciates. How can I use this car to become an asset? So maybe Mm. you can then, you know, deliver pizza with it. (laughs) So getting money from on the side, if you have some time, because again, time, you have 24 hours in a day. Or if you're like, I don't want to deliver anything, maybe you can lend it out. You can actually, you know, you can put it, you know, for someone else to use and do the delivery. There's so many different ways to leverage what you already have to get you to the next level. And always remember, asset versus liability. Absolutely. And always ask yourself that question. You know, want versus need. Do I need it? Do I want it? All right. So the one thing I will share is we offer six free workshops on Zoom virtually, Monday to Friday. Okay. Okay? Anybody that's interested, definitely reach out. But it's free three times a day, Monday to Friday. Um, and the and the other thing that I want to mention is that that's where that's where if you understand tax codes and tax liabilities, it comes into play because if your car, like for example, if you have a business, you can write off the mileage, you can write off the maintenance, you can write off a lot of that as a business expense, right? right? But if you have a job, you can't write any of that off. Now it's just a, a complete liability to you, right. okay? And 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 that's why like money is such a fascinating topic because we think money is nothing more than how much I make and how much I spend, mm. but it's so dynamic because it affects every layer of our life from retirement to wills and trust. That's a conversation down there 
I don't even know if we'll get to it, but that's <laughs> such an important topic, right? Mm-hmm. We're talking about college planning where there are there's so much money out there. I have a friend that does college planning. He He's a coach uh, and a mentor. We, we offer people a coach and a mentor for those that are inter- uh, interested in the college planning program. But they tell me that there's so much money out there that never gets applied for that just sits in the government. And, and the problem is nobody knows where to get it, right? And this is the, this is the reason why uh, most people should have the financial literacy background. And if you look out there, today is the perfect time uh, where it, we're going to touch back real quick on the resignation. A lot of people are leaving the job. And I said this many times uh, earlier this year. This is the perfect time. This is the era for entrepreneurs. This is the time where if you know how to play a, a, a piano, for those that know how to play a piano, let me know. I have a friend. She's a real estate agent, and I asked her, and she said no because she's so busy during that whole market flip, right? But if you know how to play a piano, you can offer classes and sessions and make money, right? Now, don't, now what you want to do is elaborate and expand that. Don't just take the cash and think that you're good to go because the cash is very, it's very like, it fleets. Like, it's, it's not permanent. You want to make something that's going to last, right? Versus something that's just going to pay you for today. Um, but, yeah, to go back into it, we have free financial workshops for those that are interested online, virtually. Just let us know. We can uh, get you the access to it. Um, but to invest the money to earn that compounding interest is not about buying cryptocurrency and stuff like that. Too, unfortunately, too many people in the last two years were looking for overnight success. The crypto millionaires and billionaires that are now crypto broke, right? right. And, and, and the prey, it's, it's okay because we like to be in the trend of not missing out. But un, the unfortunate part is a lot of those people were preyed upon, right? right. Hey, Jumi, I heard about this thing. Buy this. Dump everything you have. Pull equity out of your home. Pull the loans out of your credit cards and buy this. And then what ends up happening is that someone is sitting there waiting for that to climb, and then they go in and they sweep yeah. it out. Right. Yeah. And it's not the wealthy people like the Warren Buffetts or um, Jeff, Jeff Bezos or anything that is, like, dumping tons of money into it. It's our everyday people trying people, to find right. an answer. A, you know, they're trying to uh, find a solution to the situation they're in, and right. they've lost what they needed to pay next month's rent. Right. right. And the worst, they're in the worst spot now. Yes, because of that. It's manipulation. Everyone knew that from the GameStop, Redditors, yeah. you know what I mean? Those stocks, it was manipulated. That's not how stocks really work. Right. right. There's value trading that Warren Buffett talks about, but everybody's looking at speculative risk and they're, they're gambling on these companies that may not even like because GameStop and AMC were destined to go bankrupt. Yeah. But everybody was flooding in to buy it because they yet. want. And if you're not catching it at the right peak, well, unfortunately, you're one of the casualties. Right. right? So knowledge is key. So doing your research, being a Absolutely. part of the group, being a part of a group that understands, you know, the, the, the vision you're headed to and they can give you facts rather than just opinions, you know, um, I think it's key. Knowledge is key. And the more knowledge you acquire and you invest in, in yourself to get those education, I think it's better for you to make better decisions. And that's our goal. That's our goal here at the Low Financial Center. We have over 350 offices all across North America, and we want to educate 30 million families by 2030. Like for you listening in today, like we're helping you understand money a little bit more. You know, peak enough interest, hopefully that you find some value in this, that you want to come and sit down and listen to the workshop. Come in and see what the career field looks like. Come in and actually um, understand the flow of money, because if you understand the flow of money, everything's tied together, right? 
So we talked about making money. We talked about how to save money. We're talking a little bit about how to invest money. It's not those overnight successes, okay? We're looking at something that is steady where you can say, like I tell people, if you're going to put money anywhere, all right, the three things that I look for is I look for tax-free money. I can use it anytime I want tax-free. If you find something like that, that's valuable to have because I don't want to work 40, 50 years for a company and then at retirement, they take 30% off the top of my retirement fund, right? Right. The second thing I look for is access. Do you have access to that money? If you put it in a CD, guess what? It's locked in there for a while, right? right? 401Ks, you can't touch it till 59 and a half without penalties and fees, okay? Mm-hmm. So where are you putting your money, and do you have access to it when you need it, all right? You might have a house that's paid off. For me, having a house paid off is probably one of the, one of the pet peeves I have because that's money that should be working for you. Right. Because that house, like that equity is trapped in the wall. You can't just break off a, a, a piece of wood and, you know. <laughs> Let me use this. Yes. Sweat, sweat equity. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like for me, having money trapped in the house, just, it makes yeah. absolutely no, but like by, for those that believe in that, like I'm not, you know what I mean? It takes a lot of understanding of how it works. You could do reverse, uh, not, uh, yeah, reverse, reverse mortgages, mortgage, right? right? You could do something. If you understand how that works, mm-hmm. you can take a million dollar home, enjoy that million dollars, and then your life insurance would pay off right. that house at mortgage, time of death. So you never lose a house right yeah uh, but again a lot of people don't understand how that works um equity in the homes that, that wasn't what i was going to protecting your protecting life. your money mm-hmm. protecting your money is important and it goes way deeper into that should be the foundation if you're going to build a house protection is the foundation at the bottom because we work so hard all our lives you know what i mean we sacrifice so much time with our children friends family and the moment we get sick tired or pass there's nothing there but guess what? People will buy protection for their phone. They'll buy protection for, I don't know, maybe sneakers. They'll, they'll, they'll spend money on protection for things that aren't the top priority. Because if I ask your children, and for those that have children, if I ask your children, if you don't have children, I'll ask your parents, okay? What's the most valuable thing to them? I don't think, I don't think they're going to, I don't think they're going to say the house, all right? I don't think it's going to be the car that you drive. I still drive a Honda, all right? I don't think I'll ever upgrade from that. Um, they're not going to tell you it's their boat, right? The most valuable thing to them, your children or your parents, they're going to say will be you. Right. But at the end of the day, think about it. If you're the moneymaker, if you're the person sacrificing, if you're out there like making it happen for your family, why wouldn't you protect yourself, Right. I think that's one of the most and that's how the Rockefellers did. It, and I think we'll transition into that soon. Um, but that's how the Rockefellers were able to do that, because they realized that my family member is more important than everything else. Because when you lose someone in the family, you lose that income. When someone gets sick, they don't pass away, but they get sick. They're paralyzed. They have Alzheimer's. Now you lose their income, but you also lose your income because you're taking care of them. Right. That's a lot of stress in the house. Right. But yet we never protect against natural causes we don't protect against health like things that are in- inevitable right now nobody's able to escape yep. getting sick getting old and passing away right. right yeah we don't even plan for it right one of the topics in here is we fail to plan and to some degree i will agree to that to some degree um the problem is we don't know what our options are in the planning process and i think that's why it's so important to have a financial planner Okay, because they're going to look at all the different areas. When Jumi said this is a holistic approach, we're going to look at your children. We're going to look at retirement. We're going to look at the estate that you're living, that you have, the will and trust, right? We're going to look at everything to make sure that all the pieces of that puzzle fits. 
Can you imagine that you have a hundred piece puzzle, but you're buying all these extra pieces that don't fit into your puzzle and you're trying to make it work like a Mercedes? Mm. I know people that have nicer cars than I do and they don't own a house. Right. How do you justify a seven, eight, nine hundred dollar car payment that you're not willing to put towards a mortgage for, for your children to grow up and have and hold? Mm. Right. So our priorities need to really get realigned. And I don't think it's the failure to plan, but if you don't know what options you have, it's hard to calculate that into your plan, mm-hmm. right? You guys have anything? If not, I'll, I'll continue. Yeah, we're just listening to you. I'm, I'm, I'm taking mental notes. Oh, man. Mm-hmm. They, short, they say a short pencil is better than a, than a long memory, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but we'll go right into the, the, the Rockefellers. And I love, I love sharing this story, uh, mainly because it tells me that the knowledge has been around for centuries, right. centuries. Because yes. for us, a lot of times when I learned about this financial campaign three years ago, I'm like, oh, my goodness, I can take money out of this and put it into that, let it grow, never lose in the market. Like, to me, I was blown away at this knowledge. And then I learned about the Rockefellers, and I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> this has been around for centuries. And it was Babylon, richest man in Babylon. Yes. Right? I love the book. It's hard <laughs> to read, like, you know what I mean, because of ver- the verbiage. But it's a short book that explains yeah. the principles of money. Right. Right? The Rockefellers. For those that don't know, you can look it up on YouTube. But I'll, I'll briefly summarize it for you. John Rockefeller, 1800s, back in the day. He was able, and there's a couple names with them, Vanderbilt, I believe. Like, there's a few names that go right. along with it. And they compare how some squandered the money and some made it grow. All right? What the Rockefellers were able to do. In today's society, we don't, we don't appreciate, we don't even consider life insurance as an option in our plan. Why? Because we go to GoFundMe. The two problems, uh, the two things that come out of GoFundMe is one, it's good to know that when you're in a financial crisis, you have friends and family that are willing to donate to help you out of that struggle. But the reality of GoFundMe to me, the way I look at it, is that we are making our community, our families, and our friends more poor every single time. Because I've seen at least 20 GoFundMes this year. And if you did a minimum of $20 uh, uh, each time, that's $400 that we're taking from our community. Mm. Our friends and our family that are willing to help us. And that $20 might be their, their lunch for work the next day. Okay? And the reason why I share that is because the Rockefellers, originally John, what he did was he bought a life insurance policy and he married it to a trust. Mm-hmm. And just because of that alone, in the 1800s, today, they still have over 20 millionaires in their family. Wow. And to me, it's genius. It's genius. When I talk about money flowing... Like, I, like, you know how, like, you sometimes you have an idea and you're like, I thought about that. Yes, this is a great idea. <laughs> like, I really wish that was something I thought about, right? Because what they did was, Mr. Rockefeller, one life insurance, one trust. Every time a family member was born to the Rockefellers, they took the money in the trust and bought a life insurance policy. And every time someone in the family passed away, guess what happened? The trust. The trust received a million dollars. Oh, wow. Right. So over time now, because we're all going to die. Yeah. Right? I mean, like, let's like we're all adults. Right. I hope. Right. We're all going to pass away at some point. My mountain will call me. Right. But every time someone in the family passed away, a million dollars went to the family trust and it's sitting there earning compounding interest. Oh, that's pretty right. good odds. Of right. dying? hundred <laughs> percent. I was It's calculated. Yeah. It's calculated gambling. Yeah, right. Absolutely. Um, it's fate. 
<laughs> and that's why it's so genius because everyone will pass. But every time someone in the family passed, a million dollars went into the family trust. Right. And then now what happens is that's, that trust is generating income. It's, ge- it's generating compounding okay. interest for them. Right. Mm. So now every time a Rockefeller wants to open a business, wants to go to school and get higher education, wants to buy a home, whatever they want money for, they go to the family trust. And they simply write it out. Because guess what? When they pass away, guess what the trust gets? It goes back in. A million dollars. Wow. Right? That's the power of compounding interest. That's the power of knowledge. Because most people frown upon life insurance. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But they took one simple life insurance and one trust. Okay? The reason why a trust is important. Well, I I hope the Rockefeller story made sense. Because Mm -hmm. to me, like... I want to create a legacy trust. Actually, I've created a legacy trust, so right? But, but so let's go into that a little more just to give people an understanding about the trust. and the- Yeah, so the trust, how the trust works. If you look at the people that don't have a trust, a lot of times we think wealthy people that make a lot of money know everything about money. Absolutely false. Okay, unfortunately, about three years ago, I believe it was three. I don't know if it's three or four now. Uh, but unfortunately, a few years ago, Kobe Bryant passed away. Mm. Right. Great speaker, motivator, basketball player, great man as a person, as, as far as what we've known, right? Um, he passed away on a helicopter accident. Okay. The two years that followed that accident, his mother and his wife mm-hmm. fought in court for his assets and his wealth. Can you imagine that even in passing, you like to me, money should automatically go to your children. Right. But it doesn't. It doesn't. So for two years, they paid legal fees, lawyers, court fees, right? So imagine that. And not only that, but you have family fighting amongst each other for money. Like the last thing I would want is if, if, if I pass that my children fight for money. Right. But then you look at some of the families out there. They have multiple families outside of you know, so you might have children from a prior marriage and you have children with you today. Those children today might not be the one that inherit the money. Right. You might have children outside of a marriage. You might have family and friends that like, no, not family, but you'll have you might have friends, relatives that, you know, that have been estranged, that haven't been part of the family. They might come back and want a piece of that money. And now it gets dragged out through probate court. You're losing money to uh, fees, to court fees, lawyer fees, whatever. Right. So having that trust is greater than a will. A will will kind of, it still has to go through probate court. But a trust is kind of set in stone. You can really let, write down, like, I want this water, uh, this bottle of water to go to my son. I want this microphone to go to my daughter. And that's the way it plays out mm-hmm. when it passes. Mm-hmm. But the last thing you want is you want to protect what you built. Yeah. Right? Because you can have the wealth, but you can lose it in a lawsuit. You can lose it in um, child support alimony, divorce. Like, you can lose it on, almost in any way. Mm-hmm. So if you understand the value of a trust, your assets are protected because what you've worked for, what you've traded, what you've sacrificed for, leave it to those that you want to. And some people leave their children off the trust, right? Because they want them to work. They want them to earn it, whatever the reason, whatever it is. But they still have that trust because you might have someone in the family that abuses um, drugs or alcohol, right? You might not want them. It might be worse for them to have that access, right? Um, you might have family members that take advantage of other people. So you might, it might benefit, but if you don't put it in the trust they will get a piece of the pie too, right? right? So I believe the trust or legacy transfers or legacy wealth, I mean, that is something that I highly, highly want more people in our communities to learn and understand because when we think of money, we just think of how much we make per hour and what, we, what do we have at the end of the week. I know so many people that do not hesitate to spend hundreds of dollars on alcohol every weekend, 
at bars and clubs, at a casino. I know plenty of people that think that that is all there is to life. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. The one answer that really gets under my skin when I hear people say it is, I'm not going to leave anything for my children. They're going to work for everything like I did. And some people say that because they have this internal guilt that they don't have anything to pass down anyways. Or two, that's a very selfish mindset because if my child can become uh, the next genius who created cure for cancer, I wouldn't want him to learn basic living skills like laundry and dishes, right? They do that now. They do their chores now, right? right? But, like, I wouldn't want them to start at the bottom. That's why the mountain like, concept is so important to me. Like, they have the cure to cancer. They have the key to the future of technology. They have all those ideas. They have no limits, If you ask a child today, what do you want to be when you grow up? What are your dreams? They have no limits to their answers. But if you turn around and ask their parents, what are your goals? What are your dreams? I want to go to work. I want to make it through the month, right? Like what happened along the way? What happened to that? What happened to the fire, like the aspirations? What happened to the the drive? Okay? Mm. A lot of people say like, you know, companies will pay you to forget about your dreams, which is true. Yeah, they give you just enough. To, so don't quit. To don't quit. That's basically <laughs> what it is. They trap you. Yep. Right. Yeah, and you work hard enough so you don't get fired. Yeah. Right? Because if you think about this, right, people, for those that are like, I, I, I like sharing this because one day I sat down, one day I actually sat down and said, if I got a master's degree, okay, and I'm going to use basic math. Assume I make $100,000, okay, with a bachelor's. I work 40 hours a week, I go home. Cut, cut and dry. But assume, like, if, in order to get promoted, I would need a master's degree. Okay, so I would have to spend a year or two, maybe get into some more student loan debt, right? Uh, Just so I can get, if I get a master's, I'll get a $20,000 raise. But I'll have to work 60 hours a week instead of 40. (laughs) Do the math. Yeah, and then, yeah, and then that's exactly what I did. In my head, I'm like, so I got to work 20 extra hours a week, which ended up being like 10,000, like 1,040 hours for the year. And I'm only going to make an extra $20,000 a year for that degree. I divided it out, and it ended up being $19 per hour. Mm, you're losing money. I'm losing money. Yeah. I'm losing money that way. But look at this. People get so excited at a 3% raise, 4% raise every year. Mm. Okay? Inflation last year, how much was it? I don't even know what it was. 9%. 9%. So even if you got a 4% raise, you lost 5% of your salary to inflation. Yeah. Okay? I tell people, if you're making less than 5% raise, you're losing money every year. But right. that's the that's the trick. That's the little like shiny object that they wave in front of you yeah. every single year. Yep. Why? Because if you made a four, like let's say you don't really get four percent raises. If you got a three percent raise and tax and inflation is five percent average every year, if you made a hundred thousand dollars this year, you now make ninety eight thousand dollars next year. Mm. Cost of living went up, but you made less money. Right. Realistically, you made less money because you're. Your raise isn't really keeping up with cost of inflation. So and year by year, you like, you're going down year you're, by you're, year. It would be the opposite. Yeah, yeah, you would assume because you're like, right. oh, last year I made a hundred, you know what I mean? Now I'm making a hundred and two, okay, a hundred and three yeah. at three percent raise. But the reality is because inflation and taxes growing faster than what you're getting raised for, right. you're you're losing money every year, okay? Uh, as far as what you can buy, because this bottle might have been fifty cents ten years ago. Today it's probably two bucks, depending on where you buy it, right? Right. Um, the other thing too is that if you look at it, um, the raise. I'm over here trying to read the little scrolls of like you know. What I mean? <laughs> um, but the raise, we see it today when it, when every time 
uh, minimum wage increases. Someone that could have been working for 10 years, they might have only earned $13 in the 10 years, right? Mm. And then someone new gets hired today, they get the new minimum wage. Right. They automatically make yeah. more money, they right? They step right into it. <laughs> they yeah. step into the $14, $15 an yeah. hour. And you're like, I've been here for 10 years. You know what I mean? And this person coming in brand new with no experience, no skills is making more money than me. Yeah. Salary is the same thing. Yeah. You might have started at 80000 but the new guy that got hired today makes $95,000, $100,000. Right. Straight out of college. So you kind of look at that and you're like, what kind of game am I playing? This is really the rat race. Right. This is really the rat race for what? Empty promises. Because if you wanted to be the CEO of the company, you're waiting for everybody from between you and that CEO to either retire, quit, or die. Right. Because you can't have 10 CEOs of one company. Yep. Right. But we're willing to go in there in hordes mm. to do what they ask us to do. I need you for overtime this week. I need you for this. I need you for that. And we'll give them everything that we have. We'll give the right. best of us, the best of our years. Mm. Right? I'm not saying a job is bad by any means. Right. And he's not <laughs> saying to go quit I your job. I am a business owner. <laughs> <so>. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm not saying to quit. finding the right job. <laughs> it's not about quitting your job either. But so, I, do wanna ask, I, I do want you to ask yourself, is what I'm doing rewarding me the way that I would like to? Right. Because at 50, at 60, in those last moments of most people's lives, they, they lay there in regret, right? Yeah. right? Because of the memories they missed out, the experiences with their children, the moments that mattered most, right? And, they, and the, the one thing is when I say you can design your life, you literally can design your life the way you want it. I want this at this age. I want to travel here at that age. But it takes so much discipline and knowing where to put your money so that it can work for you so that you have those options when the time comes. So if you're stuck, like you said, in that in that job that's paying you just enough to stay, and you're yep. not have, what do you suggest for the average person? I mean, I know there's different options, but maybe do something on the side and try to make that your your main. Absolutely. Why are you doing the other? Absolutely. This is what I tell people: I have a forty hour a week part time job, mm. and I have a twenty hour a week full time business. Yeah, right. Okay. Because what people in that cycle do is they take what little money they have and they try to invest it and win big. Mm. They'll buy the lottery tickets. They'll buy the crypto coin. They'll buy um, this stock because someone told them it was good. And they try to make that. They try to will that to work in their favor. But all of that is controlled some way, somehow. Right. The one thing that you can control is who you become. Right. So if you turn around and invested that money on you, learn a new skill, learn a new trade, learn something new, still do your job, right? right? Still do your job, but develop yourself and become someone that you want to be, at some point you can make that transition. It's a huge leap of faith. Huge leap of faith. And that's something that I mentally play around with all the time. I'm like one of those people that are the worst case scenario thinkers. Mm. Because I don't want to be surprised when something happens. Right? Because for me, the only time you can be disappointed is when you set your expectations for someone else to do it for you. Right. But if you know how to plan and prepare for it yourself, you can eliminate the disappointment out of your life, right? right? So for me, work on yourself. Put your, like, give yourself that love and that respect that you deserve more, mm. okay? If not for you, for the people that rely on you. And that takes financial planning. That takes, I know I'm going to beat it like a dead horse, but that takes a lot of preparation, planning. That takes discipline. Um, I don't believe in motivation because if I need to motivate you today, that means I'm going to have to motivate you tomorrow, right? right? Yeah. Like, hey, are you awake? Are you going to go to the gym? <laughs> well, you can do it. <laughs> Did you eat your brown rice, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, motivation is completely different than discipline. You got to want it so bad that you're willing to do that for yourself. Right. 
not wait for someone to tell you to do it. But you deserve it. The one thing, if for those that are out there, I know what it's like to sacrifice. I know what it's like to give everything you've got and not feel that value or that appreciation. Okay? But the only way you can change that is if you learn to value yourself and appreciate yourself. That's not something that comes from the outside. Right? You have to invest in yourself. Absolutely. Yeah. Make yourself more valuable. Right. Because Am when, I boring you guys, buddy? You have, <laughs> no, this is no, great. No, it's good. Because when you're invested in yourself, you know, and you have something of value, then people are going to want to invest in you because you have a solution to their problem. So if you can help one person with, with the investment you did with yourself, then it can ripple into maybe other people. And then it, it, becomes, it becomes an effect that you can't stop because you're leading by passion, you're leading by purpose. Right. As, you're still, as you still have your job on the side, you still have something to look forward to that yeah. gives you right. purpose. So it's all about investing in you. And everything we've discussed is about investing in yourself. Right. And then everything else flows afterwards. You know, it's funny because when you said that, it brought a memory back. I remember growing up in Lawrence, and there was a time when I said to myself, I asked myself, how come, pe- how come no one wants to spend time and help me? I'm eager to learn, but how come people are not willing to give me uh, a sneak peek or some advice or some guidance into becoming a better person or mm-hmm. to, to acquire, acquire that lifestyle that I want? And what I realized was in that moment, looking back now, you know what I mean, 2020 hindsight, Looking back, I wasn't that person that was approachable. I was very defensive. I, I didn't have trust. Uh, I, you know, trust is probably one of the weakest values or virtues that I have, right? Because after you go through so much, you learn that trust is not one of those options that you should lay out on the table or wear on your sleeve, right? So through those years when I was looking for or asking how come I'm not being mentored or coached to a better life, I look back and realize I wasn't ready to receive that information, so when we talk about planting seeds, the one thing that did stay was over time as I matured a little bit, not much, right? But mm-hmm. as I started to learn life and how it really worked, the, the seeds started to really tap root and, and grow out. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the most important thing is if you can go out there and like share something that will help someone change their life or see a better option or potentially lay out a plan for them, then do it because you never know till today. Mr. Daggett from Lawrence High School was my guidance counselor. I still call him every year to say Happy Father's Day. We try to go out to lunch whenever we can. I'm 40 years old. That was back in like when I was 16 years old, so at least 24 years if my math is right, right? But you never know who's going to leave that impact or that mark on you. Mm-hmm. And sometimes when we're asking for answers, we're not asking for, we're not asking the right question because sometimes we need to ask, are we ready to make that change ourselves? Are we the right person to really embrace the opportunity? Because most people ask expecting someone to do it for them right. or someone to give it to them. Right. And that's completely different. They want or they think they want. They don't want to put the effort in. They don't it. want to put right. the effort. It's, it's how it's work. It's Look hard. at today's workforce. Yeah, yeah. They, <laughs> they don't, don't want to go to work. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. There's you, plenty of jobs. Nobody wants to work. You can pour in an empty cup. So you have to start with yourself first, right? So you have to pour to yourself by learning, by, by learning and, and finding answers. So you seek, you shall find. If you keep finding the, uh, looking for the answers with the right people that you surround yourself with, you will find a way. Um, and you'll be able to pour onto people with what, of, what you've learned and acquired. 
the and company that's, you keep. And that's what we're doing right now. Right. You know, we've acquired such knowledge and we're like, oh, you know what? Two, let's sh- come share some information because more people need to hear from you. So it goes like that too. You know, we're pouring and you, you also have the ability to do the same. Well, the company you keep is definitely important. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Like that's something our parents said all the time, but we never really paid attention to it. But the company you keep, you are the average of the five people closest to you. Huh. You know what I mean? And and what I, what I mean by that is if, like, you know, Sal, you made a joke earlier that you're the smartest man in the room. If you're the smartest man in the room, then you, you have yeah, to find a new company, room. Because right. yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's the problem. Like, some people try to be that's the true. wealthiest, the richest of the poor. Like, you yeah, know what I mean? Like, what kind true. of, like, you don't want to be that person. You always right. want to, uh, you always want to have that room to grow. I think it was Henry Ford that... Um, was famous for that. He always wanted people around him yeah. that were smarter than him and all. Yeah, oh, do you know Henry yeah. Ford's story? Uh, I know. I've I've I, I've read I read it. Yeah, Henry Ford's story is amazing yeah. because yeah, yeah it, it's uh it was in the chapter I believe it was chapter five of his uh, of Napoleon Hill's Think and Grow Rich. Yeah. But Henry Ford, they didn't think he was viable or eligible to really hold any power or control because he had a high school degree at mm. best. Or I don't even think he graduated school. I think it might have been sixth grade education, yeah. right? And people put him on court and everything through trial. And they said, why should we listen to you if you don't have the education? And they were asking who's the third president of the United States. Not, it, might, it might not have been the third, but they were asking him questions that were trivia question at best. Right. And he got frustrated at one point in that trial and said, he slammed his hand, his hand down on the, on the podium and said, why do I need to know this information when at a push of a button I can summon the people? That have the knowledge right. that I want. Like, why Absolutely. would I fill my brain with such useless information, mm-hmm. whereas I can just hire the people that I need to answer mm-hmm. these questions? And the greatest example of someone like that today, I would say, would be Elon Musk, mm-hmm. right? Not to, like, you know, I, I don't know if throwing names out there, but if you look at Elon Musk today, he took, and, and despite how Tesla and all that, right, for those that follow stocks, right? Twitter. And- <laughs> yeah. But he, like, look at where he's at today. Yeah. He has Neuralink. He has SpaceX. He, he created PayPal, sold it off. He has Tesla. He bought Twitter. Mm-hmm. But he fired half of the Twitter employees, brought the engineers over from Tesla, and built it. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's what knowledge or that's what the ability of having options can do. You don't need to know everything. You just need to be brave enough to take that 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 chance or that investment in yourself, because right. the resources out there. You can Google everything that we've spoken about today. Yeah. Right, everything yeah. is available. Absolutely. Well, I'll tell you what, too. You've got me motivated. <laughs> I'm ready to start working on my my twenty hour, twenty hour full time job. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's what it is. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's what it is. Twenty three is coming. Yeah, you know, absolutely. and uh, we just have to reinvent ourselves. Take take the pen and. Re- you know, become your own masterpiece mm. and start creating, creating a life that you envision yourself living. And let's let, let's bring that into let's bring that into reality. That's right. Twenty twenty three. Let's do it. Right. So two, this was excellent. A lot of thank you. Great, useful informa- information. You got me motivated and inspired. I know <laughs> oh, everyone <listen>. watching <laughs> wants to get out there and uh, build wealth as well. Um, so, like you said, an hour. Or so wasn't enough. It's just a very, very tip of the iceberg. There's so much. So can, I know you mentioned the Zoom. Could you, before we leave, could you tell our viewers um, where they can get um, more information and how to, to go about it? Yeah. I don't like, um, you I, can reach out to Jumi. Jumi will have access to that information. Yeah. I'll have access to that, uh, to that information. Uh-huh. I don't know the whole Zoom link, but you register. 
Like, and you'll be able to pick the dates that you want to participate, the mm-hmm. uh, like the time that you want to participate. And again, Monday to Friday, uh, East Coast time, we offer it at two, eight, and ten p.m. Uh, okay. So you know, scale it accordingly to where you live. But that's free information. And with the 350 offices that we have all across North America, if you're near one of the financial centers, um, they usually do Wednesday nights or Saturday mornings to to uh, accommodate to work schedules. Okay. And you'll get the in-person workshops. You'll get a lot more than that. You know, for those that are listening, do your own personal financial strategy. Understand this is very surprising because a lot of people don't realize how much money they throw away. Because the moment we have extra money in our account, we take a trip, we buy something that we don't need, right? And some people, even though they started five years ago at $50,000 a year and now making eighty, they're still living paycheck to paycheck because they don't realize their spending habits. So when you break down your financial needs analysis or your personal financial strategy, uh, any licensed professional can help you uh, with that. We can connect you wherever you are. Uh, depending on where you're living. Um, and to see those numbers, to see it laid out on paper is something that is mind-blowing because you're like, oh, my goodness, I didn't realize that I took two extra trips last year or I didn't realize that I spent that much money on coffee, right? Mm-hmm. I'm someone that people tell me, oh, you know, cut back on coffee so that way you can do your $10 a day. No, I'm going to work hard enough so I can still have my coffee and still pay myself $10 <laughs> a day. You need, that ca- you need that caffeine to yeah, work. Yeah, like I, I had a cup of coffee before this. That's why, yeah. you know. The sacrifice we have to Absolutely. But thank you. Thank you so much yeah. for having me. Um, I wanted to share more about my story. But, you know, that was my journey into why financial education was important. Because mm-hmm. as soon as I people think the glamour is buying a house. Right. But what you re- what you don't realize is that after you buy the house, it's no it's no longer just the rent and the electric bill that you have to pay. You got to pay the property tax, the water, sewage, yeah. any maintenance and repairs. Right. So it might become more. But go out there. If you don't have a home, work towards that. Build your credit. Get that home. Right. If it's your first home, then there's never a right time to have your first home because you have to have these goals in your life to fight for. Right. Because if not, you're going to live day by day and you're going to spend without thinking about it. But if you have goals set up, you're going to make sure that those are taken care of. Mm. Right. So, again, thank you for having me. Um, hopefully I didn't bore anyone out there no, and hopefully was, the information was useful. Yeah, absolutely. And any any uh, any information you give us where they can. Um Acquire more knowledge. We'll, we'll post it up on the uh, the podcast. Yeah, what and I'll maybe, do is I'll send you an email. Yeah, absolutely. What? And uh, I mean, you know, we're more than willing to have you on again. Yeah, anytime, so, anytime. I love so talking. Much, <laughs> maybe you can share a little bit more about your story. On what's your story? <laughs> right. So we thank you for. You Stay tuned say? for more. Absolutely. There's more to come for the financial um, literacy. Absolutely. We thank you for joining us for what's your story topics, and we will see you next time. Bye, everybody.